I worry that people are going into politics right. for completely the wrong reasons, and that is not going to end well. Eh? Can't we have a system where if you want to be a politician, you're automatically excluded? <laughs> <laughs> Mark, hi, how's it? How's it? Where are you, man? <laughs> you got to get away with it. You know where I am. I'm in Davos. <laughs> exactly. I, 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 you're the devil. You're in Davos. Okay, so now before we get into our normal old humdrum stuff, can you tell me, Davos, what's the purpose? I know. What's the prospects? I know. Where's the proof? Everybody asks. Go on. You're such a larny. Look, yes, 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 fortunately, yes. people can't see this, but I can. You've had a haircut. For the occasion. Okay. So give it to me, Tim. What do you do in Davos, man? This is a kind of perennial debate, right? Obviously, because both the right wing and the left wing absolutely despise Davos because it epitomizes either the despicable 1% getting together to rule the world or else the despicable 1% getting together to rule the world. In either <laughs> the right wing or the left wing case, this yeah. is not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're there to bring some sort of sense of balance and objectivity to the whole event. That's your yes, 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 precisely. So just so that I can clarify, it's not as name-droppy as it might sound. Davos has this very strict hierarchy of participants, which go from very high to moderately high to quite high to high-ish. Yeah to not very high, to ordinary, to not very ordinary, to below ordinary, <laughs> and then me, <laughs> or my level. <laughs> and then below that, there's a whole lot of bottle washers. It's not like I'm imminently joining the 1%, certainly not. Okay, so why is Davos important? I think its success is its own justification, I think. Yeah. I've been coming here for like five years now, six years, and every year it gets bigger and bigger. People obviously get something out of it. They're paying a lot of money to be here. The World Economic Forum is rolling in money, rolling. It's a, supposedly a nonprofit, but as an organization, if they were to sell it or just sell the whole sort of concept, it yeah, would be yeah. worth billions and billions. There, there are something like 50 um, heads of state. Heads of state. And they all come and put on their show, meet people, talk to people, bump into people. You know, it's the glory of just meeting people by accident, coming away with new ideas. It's very intense. Uh, it's great fun. It rightly has a lot of criticism focused on it, but that doesn't override its utility around the world. The whole bunch of initiatives have come out of Davos that might never have happened if it wasn't about. Well, we look forward to your uniquely South African perspective on the whole thing because we are all over world stages at the moment, it seems to me, despite... I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Despite <laughs> the fact that we've got stuff to do in our own backyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking of which, I read your piece on the JSE and capital markets and listings, and it paints for me quite a concerning picture, actually. And I, I, you know, it's not a relative discussion. It's not how badly are we doing vis-a-vis -vis the rest of the world. It's, it's whether or not publicly listed, freely traded markets are still in charge, or whether people have dismissed them, not for any other reason than the cost of capital is settled between fewer and fewer people, and it's kept confidential. And so I'm curious as to the cause, not the observed statistics. Like, why is it, why is it less, not more? Just to, uh, not to focus unnecessarily on the boring statistics, but the boring statistics yeah. are pretty damn revealing in this case. Yeah. In 1989, South Africa had 650 listed companies. It now has 300. Mm. 
that decline has, we've seen nothing even remotely like that decline around the world. The curiosity for South Africa is that actually the overall value of the JSE has not declined. So basically what's happened is that the established companies are winning this battle. Mm. They're attracting more of the capital. They're increasing their market share. South Africa hasn't provided an opportunity for small, medium companies to come up and challenge their dominance. That's basically the problem. Mm. And then the other important statistic to remember is that South Africa's capital markets are, are huge, huge compared to the size of the economy. Mm. No, there, there is, I think there's, there's no other country in the world where the basic size of the capital markets in South Africa. Now, if I try and hook out a number from memory, I'm going to get it wrong. But I remember 1.3 trillion. Is that we had at one time, it may not still be true, the most deeply liquid bond market in the world. Yeah, that's right. So it was a place where you could go and trade and very deeply trade liquidly and so on. What I'm trying to figure out is, okay, why are the SMMEs not going there to raise capital? People say, oh, it's a regulatory compliance thing. And I don't, I don't buy that for a minute. I think it's people are wanting to be private. I think deals are happening in private. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think it's also the, glow, the macroeconomic reason is pretty obvious. There isn't a lot of confidence in the economy. Yeah, yeah. You can see that in business confidence numbers. And the stock market particularly is there to provide companies who think they can grow with the capital to grow. Yeah. That's their function. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They provide cheap capital. That's what they've done for centuries. So if you're a smallish company and you think that you could be growing at, I don't know, 15% year on year for four or five years, you would be capital short in, that, in most circumstances. And the stock market would be a fantastic place to solve that problem. So there's that. As you say, I think that there is this desire to stay private, as you mentioned. And then the other thing is, I wouldn't dismiss the regulatory burden of compliance. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it, is, yeah. it is incredibly high in South Africa. Incredibly. People don't, don't appreciate this. Uh, I mean, there may be reasons for it. That's a kind of separate argument. But what is undeniable is that being a listed company in South Africa is really tough. That's partly the JSE trying to keep up with kind of international trends. So there's CSI requirements, there's BE requirements. It's partly government. There's, government also has very powerful BE restrictions. So that's the reason, I would guess. Okay, well, staying on the primary question of funding. Yeah. I think we've got an education funding crisis in South Africa. Really? Don't we spend more than in any country as a proportion of... Yeah, we do, but it's not getting the right result. We're producing graduates that can't find jobs. We have a population that can't afford to pay for the school uniforms. We have NESFAS, you know, yes. which is in disarray, and people who are borrowing money at interest rates, which they clearly can't afford to repay given that they've got to spend three years at university are not earning money and so on. And I think we need a structural relook at how we educate our people because the, the consequence of having a lesser than optimal educated, broad-based educated uh, population is that we don't have informed voters. Yeah. Okay? And, 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 and that's, I think, the real consequence or, or jobs. Now, let me... Propose, for example, like, say now you are Cecil and you want engineers. Well, why don't you enter into some sort of offtake agreement like you do for the supply of gas, okay, which is to say, okay, we need 50 chemical yes. engineers a year. Yes. Come and sign up and we'll pay for your university and then you come work it back for us. And then there's this kind of virtuous circle of supply and demand 
and a finished product which is pre-sold. Don't they do that though? Isn't isn't that what a, a university bursary is? Yeah, it is essentially, but there's not enough of them. Yeah, and and it's not happening other than in very select fields of education, and it leads me to believe that there are so many fields of tertiary study in particular that are being followed that are not producing economic units of value as an output. Yeah, no, totally. And South Africa's tried to solve this problem like it tries to solve all problems by just throwing money at it. Yeah. <laughs> and you just wait for it to come unstuck. Yeah. You know, you, you just wait a little while and it just comes unstuck. So I don't know whether you've been following our, our stories about this fast, but absolutely incredible how, how this fast got apparently got, got conned by service providers of all kinds of, of all descriptions. You know, that, you know, it's a completely, completely repetitive story in South Africa. I, I do quite like the idea of the state really jumping in here because we do have a very small proportion of university graduates to population as a whole. America's now looking at around about 50%. Yeah. We are around about 15, yeah. if I remember the numbers right. So that's not big enough. But as you say, you've got to have jobs for them as they come out of the other side. Otherwise, the whole, yeah, yeah. The whole exercise is pointless. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, I'm hoping to see some changes there. That's what I'd, that's, that's what I'd like to see. You just hope that the election forces a re-look at everything at everything that it's, has been taken for granted in the past. I was wondering when you're going to bring up the election, because as you all know, it's the election year this year with, with so many, we've discussed that before. Yep. But in South Africa, I read in the city press this weekend, we now have, go on, have a guest. And although I told you the number before the show, so I'm not going to ask you. <laughs> Let's see if I can remember. Oh, yes. It's a lot. We have no less. <laughs> we, have, we have no less. And 356 <laughs> parties registered for the election. Okay, now in practice, that'll slim down after everyone's grouped with who they want to, and those who are just doing it for fun are withdrawn and so on, to about 50 parties. Right. Okay, which is a hell of a mess to choose. Yes, from, yes, okay? yeah, yeah. In my view. And it occurs to me, first of all, that we should distill that down into the essence of differences, if I could describe it as that. What are you, who are you? And what's different between you and the rest? And let's say that distilled into three left, right, and center, to be blunt about it, or whatever it was. Okay. Then we would be in a position where we could make an informed, meaningful decision instead of a splintered sort of shotgun approach to, to the whole thing. And so I worry about the effectiveness of having so many interested parties, but I worry much more about why people want to do it. Okay. <laughs> it's not like, really? you know, so why do you want to go and do it? Okay. Now, the sort of virtuous purpose, of course, is that you go and serve the people and create a better world in which we yes. live and so on. Okay. It's not easy. Yes. Okay. I'm not talking about a world where the system has gone wrong and there's crooks involved and all of those. I'm talking about a, a properly structured, clean and honest uh, government. Okay. It's hard work. To, <laughs> and, and I think it is hard work. And by the way, if you've got the intellect and energy to fight the uphill hill of, of, of solving economic or health issues in a country and so on, you could probably apply that trade to far more generous rewards in the private sector. Yes. So why do people do, why do so many people want to go into politics? No, no, no. It's a good question. It's a good question because there is a kind of self-selection process involved. Yeah, absolutely. Because only certain types of people decide that they're going to take on this. Uh... There is a status aspect to it. Oh, yeah. 
and the, there is the illusion of power as there is in everything else in the world. Sure, sure. So the, that's like a plus. There's legacy issues. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could say you're trying to do some, give back, trying to do something for society. And also, you really cannot underestimate is there's ego issues, right? But I still think, for those of us who have not been into politics, and I've skirted the world where politics prevails over oh, yeah. uh, many other things, <laughs> and it's, it's not easy, man. It's, it's, a, it's a tough, you know, it is, it's a really tough world because you're dealing with populist rhetoric and uninformed masses who judge you on criteria that have very little to do with the stuff on your desk at the time. Anyway, so I'm a little bit confused and I worry that people are going into politics right. for completely the wrong reasons, which are the ones, some of which you've mentioned, and, and perhaps access to money and access to power and influence right. unduly and prematurely. And that is not going to end well, eh? No. Surely there should be a way of excluding anybody who decides that they want to be a politician. Can't we have a system where if you want to be a politician, you're automatically excluded? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Then. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, no, I can yeah. see how you can legislate for that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, let's put that bill in front of parliament. <laughs> because obviously, if you want to be a politician, there's no way yeah. you should be a politician. It's just you are the wrong person. Let's start there. <laughs> this is an intersection without getting myself into too much trouble between evangelists and, pol and politicians, okay? Yes. Because they promise something that can't be measured immediately and that most people can't. You know, there's no sort of textbook set of objectively determined past failure. You don't fail in politics. You become unpopular. Right. Okay. Isn't that failure? Uh, Why is that not failure? No, it's not necessarily failure because popularity is not necessarily success. Or is it? And if it's that binary, then who do you think you're going to end up attracting? The suck-ups and the bullies? Like I okay. say, like I say, <laughs> if you want yeah. to be a, a politician. Yeah. The other thing about uh, being a politician that I think people in business often don't realize is how consultative it is. Mm. And how slow it oh, is. God, yeah, yeah. Due process. It's this weird process of winning support or at least putting yourself in a position where people are not opposing you. The sort of shifting sands kind of situation where you push here, you pull there, you, you grant somebody a favor in return for a favor later. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. a, there's this whole sort of back scratching process that is really necessarily part of politics and can't be avoided. I was reading this morning about uh, a proposal of what ministry South Africa actually should have, right? So we have 23. Maybe eight. Eight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what eight should they be? And actually, the, the, when, you, when you think about it, it makes sense quite easily. Yeah. You want security, economics, foreign affairs. Health, education. Education yeah. and health and uh, police. And justice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's all you need, actually. So why is it that we have so many? And the reason is because... Each time the president grants somebody a cabinet post, what he's effectively doing is trying to absorb their constituency into his own yeah. uh, or her own. He, the, uh, so in other words, South Africa's minister of higher education is a, a lifelong communist. Yeah, yeah. Now, is that a good idea? <laughs> well, I don't know. It depends on your point of view. But in my humble opinion, no. <laughs> but obviously he, Ramaphosa, did it because he, he knows that he needs to keep that little constituency on side. Yeah. So 
you've obviously spent a long time in a pressurized cabin if you believe that any of these things need to follow logic and things of this nature. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So you, you don't have to have any skill whatsoever in the field over which you preside to be appointed the minister. Okay, And that, the proof of that is how many portfolios ministers can have you know, before they sort of get get thrown out some, somehow or another. And then there should be some fun. I remember that when Sydney hosted the Olympics, and I remember this because I went to those Olympics oh, yeah. in Australia, they appointed temporarily and specifically a minister of the Olympics. Okay. Okay. And it happened to be someone who knew a little bit about sport and international <laughs> things. Anyway, what do we know? Are we going to vote? And uh, we're going to see what comes out. The last thing I wanted to talk about is... The weather. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can scarcely get by without talking about the weather. What I want to know is, is there not a place to which we can go to apologize so that we can stop getting all these floods and things poured down upon us? You know? <laughs> Whose wrath have we incurred and how can we stop it? It's enough already now. People are freezing in Iowa and we boiling in Middle Africa. Can we not just say sorry and go back to Joburg's 15 degrees every day weather? That's what I'd like to see. It seems like that wouldn't be possible because apparently the snowfalls in Iowa have been organized by the deep state. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to ensure <laughs> that it gets in. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, they made it happen. You know, it would be nice if we could just, you know, say pray. Uh, yeah. For better weather, but it turns out it's not, it's, not, not it's not in the deity's grasp, the weather situation is. Have you got any numbers this week, Tim? I'm, I'm getting, I, what homework have you done for the numbers section? Help me now. You know, could you? I've done numbers. I've done. A, I've got a number. I've got a number. All right. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, the, this is about AI, and the reason I'm trying to follow AI is because obviously it's going to be be a big discussion topic here, at Davos. I think you and Chat GPT have become bosom buddies. That's that's where I thought I think it's gone. I, I think you talk to each other. Yeah. But tell me about your AI. Okay, so Kristalina Georgievio, who's the uh, head of the IMF, has just published a paper right this morning. Yeah. So this is uh, brand new news, as they say. Hot off the press. <laughs> yeah. The report is based on research that the IMF has done, and their analysis suggests that 40% of jobs around the world will be affected by AI. Wow. So now that sounds bad, right? But the, here's the good thing, and not to be too cynical about this, by which I mean... I'm just about to be very cynical about all of this. Every time there's a, there's a new technological innovation, the people that it hurts most are you know, working class people yeah. and people in the developing world. But the interesting part of this research is that AI is gonna hurt like the, the richest people in the world and in the richest countries around the world. Why? Because for the first time, it's their jobs who could be depreciated. Which are at risk. Yeah, which are at risk. I'm very sad about that. I'm very sad about anybody, anybody's job being threatened. <laughs> but if somebody's job has to be threatened, I'm rather glad that it's not people that, in the developing world. Yeah, let's blunt the spear. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Next year, I'll meet you here on the Platz. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to be there just for no other reason than all of the selfies that I'll send home. Crucial, crucial Davos activity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, selfie, the selfies must fly. Cool, man. Okay, well, enjoy, my friend, and bring us back some insights. Look forward to it. Thanks, Ed. Cheers. This show is part of the Africa Podcast Network. The biggest pod, pod network on the continent. For sales inquiries, please, please contact, contact us at info at africapodcastnetwork.com.